2: Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105.3 The Fan, and joining us this morning is Don Parrish, Reverend Don Parrish, Jr. He is the director and founder of ASteadyHand.org. Don, how are you doing this morning?
3: Doing really good, Chris. How are you doing, sir?
2: Doing great. It's a pleasure always talking with you because I love what you guys are doing with ASteadyHand.org. It's all about investing time in young people, underprivileged kids and kids who may not, may not have an opportunity, but they are good enough to get a chance. I say that because I've been watching your work. Can you tell everyone how this whole thing started? And I think it goes back to when uh, you first graduated from UT. Yes,
3: sir. So I uh, grew up around a lot of strong men who had a big impact in my life from my father, my uncles. um, principals, teachers, uh, you name it, all just around a lot of positive, strong black men who made sure I stayed in line. Graduated from the University of Texas, came back home and realized that the hood was still the same. And in some respects, it was worse. So um, I graduated December of 99, come back home and was just flabbergasted that a lot of my friends were not able to make the steps that I was making. And so I said, "How do we fix this problem?" We started uh, doing a college tour. Um, I took a raggedy church van and about ten kids, and we went to Baylor and to UT. And matter of fact, one of our students was able to get a scholarship on the spot doing that first college tour uh, of Baylor University. And that taught me a lesson that you know our kids are just as talented and gifted as everybody else; they just don't have the opportunities.
2: So let me and- get this straight: you were getting kids putting them on a, a school bus, a, a church bus, and taking them to see colleges so they would know what the college life could be and, and give them an opportunity to think big on how they can do something with themselves.
3: Absolutely. And 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 my concept was do it during the week. Don't do it on the weekend because seeing an empty building on a college campus doesn't do anything for you. Take them when, when school is in session. Um, and now when we do our college tours, these schools uh, let us actually go and sit in on classes. Which really helps because it gets that young person they get a chance to see somebody that looks like them, that's a little bit older than them in, in, in a lot of ways, but they can visualize themselves in that same environment. And it's we have seen some fantastic results. So that's how we that's how we got started. But I even then it wasn't a steady hand. It was just Donald just trying to, you know, do what I can do to make a difference.
2: How many kids what, were you taking to these schools?
3: Man, so we started off um, we start off in the first couple trips with one, one church van. Then, then we started doing a couple vans. Then we did a van caravan. Uh, we, then we did a charter bus. And so now the, the most I've taken, we had about 270 kids at one time. That's most I've taken. We, now we tend to average about three charter buses, which is about 150 kids.
2: And what are some uh, of the colleges that they've got a chance to see?
3: Well, here's my thing. I, I leave it up to the kids and, and leave the kids and whatever school I'm working with. And so my thing is where we can make it to and back in a day, we can go. So we've been to your alma mater. We've been to OU. We've been, of course, we, we started UT because you see the best and then you see the rest. Stop So come on.
0: And, so, <laughs> and so
3: we've done all the schools in the Houston area, but we've also have done some trade schools. Um, and I'm even open to doing um, some, some of our military facilities as well because I want to provide opportunities for our young people to see everything that's out there and then they pick how they want to spend their life. I don't want to tell them what to do. You know, not want to show them. So we do HBCUs. I mean, we do everywhere. We, we, I'm willing to go anywhere.
2: Very nice. So you say you went to UT, you went to Baylor, you went to OU, went down to uh University of Houston area. You've, you've done so many different schools. How many kids actually felt like, oh, wow, I really do have a chance now?
3: You know, it's it's amazing. Uh, there has not been... And I know you people hear People say this, and I'm not trying to be. Uh, I'm not trying to be uh, hyperbolic when I say this. Mm-hmm. But every college tour that we have done has made an impact on each one of those kids. Let me give you an example. We one of the ones I'm most proud of. We took uh, all the fifth graders from Dunbar Elementary School over in South Dallas uh, to SMU. And so you would think, you know, that's that's only like a. That's really like a 10 minute bus ride. Right. right? Those kids thought they were in another state not just another city they thought they were in another state i had one young lady ask me what state we were in and i said no ma'am she said well there's there's no trash on the streets Mm -hmm. you know all the houses are pretty Mm -hmm. so we this is not dallas and she was like she was not joking she was serious and that that really that impacted me tremendously so uh, that level of impact, man, uh, both from the students, from the teachers, as well as from the universities, because the universities are telling me, Donald, we don't have anybody who's doing what you're doing on a consistent basis. And oftentimes, these these are students that we want on our campus. We don't know how to reach them mm-hmm. because the normal methods don't work. Don't work to reach them. And so that's, you know, that's that's, that's how a steady hand got started way before I even knew a steady hand was going to happen. Um, and then with the next phase of A Steady Hand was I was, you know, mentoring and working on a bunch of campuses just on my own, just trying to be a concerned citizen, um, just doing what I've always seen done and what was done for me. But then we I, I led the breakfast with dad's event at Dave Middle School, and that made all the national news. I mean, it still gets here. I mean, just last week I was getting tagged in, in post, and people said it for the first time, although it happened. In December of 2017.
2: Okay, let's talk about that real quick. Let's let's spend some time on this because you mentioned the national attention. I know for a fact it was on CNN, Fox and Friends, The Washington Post. Everyone was doing stories about this thing. Yeah, Can you USA t- Today,
3: MSNBC. Can yeah, you great. talk
2: about why they were doing the stories and how it was so overwhelming for you?
3: So, I'll be honest, we were, um, the, I was talking to the uh, principal, and we were ending a community meeting, and she mentioned that they want to have a breakfast with dads uh, event, which is not a new phenomenon. Like, right. I, did not, I did not invent that, but she was just remarking how, you know, she's like, Ren Paris, we just never have any dads show up. I said, well, you know, I got a little following on Facebook, let me see if I can get 25 guys to show up. So, I I created a post, I sent it to a couple of my friends, I had, I had them post it. And then the rest is history. And the the truth of the matter is, Chris, no one was believing me about the outpouring.
2: Well, Not let's let's over. talk about the outpouring. You're kind of skimming over it. You're kind of being yeah. being nonchalant about it. this thing was huge because yeah. you only expected some dads 25. to show up at a middle Correct. school to Correct. basically mentor some little kids. And Correct. you were like, you were looking for like twenty five. Tell me how many you got. Tell me about the impact. And, and and those kind of things. Because again, you're being real quiet about this.
3: Well, I, listen, I just it's because there's so much work that has to be done. But I, I, I will I will expand. So we, we the initial ask was for 25. Um, over a thousand men contacted me. Wow. And like I think I think we um, my last time I went back and actually counted the actual contact of, of this interest was about 1,100. And they were calling my. The reason I know this were my cell number was the only contact that was listed. And so they were calling me directly. So my phone was ringing 24 hours a day, even 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. People from other states were calling. So I communicate this to the local media. They didn't believe me. I communicate this to the school district. They didn't believe me. I said, well, listen, we got all these men coming. I got to get them background checked, right, because mm-hmm. they're stepping on campus. So those, those okay, send it to this link. Here's when they believed me, Chris. For three days, DISD's website was shut down. Wow because that many people were coming in and signing up uh, to get that background check approved. At that point, then, it, and then a couple of Dallas Cowboys were calling the school saying, hey, we want to take a part of this event you know, We heard you guys are doing it. So, That's amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, so it was, we ended up having 600 guys to get through the background check. And so, but really, it was 1,000 really was it was a thousand um, okay so um, let's let's talk about the bunch. event
2: itself how did it happen and i know since you were overwhelmed by so many men that wanted to help out explain how that day went for you so so take that, your time man, that, take your time
3: so so that day chris was was i mean it's it was one of those life-changing moments you know in my life personally um you know th- you know that day for me is right up there with the inauguration of of, of Barack Obama you know, and, with, and, and you know, of course, with the birth of my children. Like, those, that's a day I just, I will never forget. Um, we get to the school, and still people are not believing me because I'm, I'm the only one that's fielding all these calls. And so uh, the event was supposed to start, I believe, at 9, but by 7.30, it was already crowded. Like, there was nowhere to park. So initially, so- you're
2: trying to have this in the cafeteria, I guess.
3: Correct. We ended up having to move it to the auditorium, and even then it was standing room only in the auditorium. And so the pictures that you see, uh, one of my good friends, um, uh, Stephanie, was a photographer, so she she brought her her, her her camera, which thank God she did.
2: Documented. And any
3: video you see was from my cell phone, because, you know, like you, I, my broadcast background is not nearly one that's as, as uh, special as yours, but I've dabbled in it a little bit, and so the number of the Holy Spirit said, Man, you gotta go into broadcast mode to record this event. And so I did. And I started interviewing guys in line but well, it was off my cell phone. And so any video that you've ever seen from an event was, was from my cell phone.
2: Okay, so you mentioned you you got over six hundred men that are able to participate. Over a thousand wanted to participate. Correct how many kids were there and then what went down?
3: Man, so so the key kid, the kids walked in and again the 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 principal, although she believed me, she was still like, I don't want to disappoint my kids, and so she ended up getting a bunch of kids out of the class. I'm like, no, y'all come down to this event. Y'all come, up. Oh, come on, baby, you come, you come, you come. And so we had, man, we we really had uh, the school at the time was about 900 students. Um, so I think we pretty much had a kid for each mentor. Um, wow. And so um, and it was phenomenal. The mm-hmm. look on those kids' faces still gives me chills this very day. So only thing that we necessarily had planned, you know, we had a few comments, words, and things of nature, and then we um, had a tie-tying thing to teach our young young people how to tie-ties. And what I asked the men to do, who I I was able to talk to directly, or via text message, was just bring a tie with you that we can give to the kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. So each mentor taught his mentee how to tie-tie, and then the kid was able to keep that tie. And so... Um, and then we, um, we, we had, we, we had breakfast together, um, in the, in the gymnasium and in the auditorium, you know, so many people. Um, and we just spent some more time fellowshipping, man. I mean, it was, it was great. The event originally was going to be 30 minutes to an hour, man. I think we did it almost half a day. That I mean, is... We did it all the way up to lunchtime because it was just, it was just the moment just kind of dictated that that's what needed to happen.
2: And it was such an impact. Like I said, it got nationwide coverage. It got so much outreach. And again, we're talking with Don Parrish, the director and founder of a steady hand.org. That was the basis. That's that when that explosion happened of outpour of love, uh, trying to help these kids, that's when you knew you had to do something. And I, had, I, had, I had to do something, Chris. So, hey, we, so we, what was the process? Because you weren't in place yet.
3: No, no. A steady hand, steady hand was not founded. So, I remember the day in which it happened. So the event happens on uh, December 14th and you in media, so you know how weird this is. January 14th, the views jump on Facebook from say 50,000 views to 250,000. And then by lunch, we were up to a million. Wow. Then my phone started ringing again. This is 30, 30 days after the event. Wow. I, and so, and so we ended up jumping and jumping and jumping. Last I checked, we were at about fifty million views, and that's just on Facebook
2: 50 million?
3: 50 million views absolutely and well, so wow. um and so you, you know you you would think that you would be uh have a sense of accomplishment and of uh, oh man, we made it, man, you know look you know look at us, but what I had was really trepidation because because my thought process was I've got to do something. Um, yeah, with, uh, with this, you,
2: you gotta, you gotta be able to make sure that you're able to follow through on all the, 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 Correct. the partnering and the, the, the people, uh, the love, the, the sharing, the mentorship. And so you, you had to come up with something, right?
3: Absolutely. And we, so I, I just, just began to pray. I'm, I'm a spiritual guy. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm a pastor. And so Talking to the Lord and 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 the Holy Spirit said, name this thing a steady hand, because I, well, as I was talking about the event, I just kept talking about how when men show up, we provide a steady hand for the community. We provide a steady hand for schools, and so He said, name it a steady hand, and so that's what we did. We and so our website is be a steady hand because a steady hand. was already taken, so we well, we just added an action word in front of a steady hand, mm-hmm. made it beasteadyhand.org, but. But that's what started a steady hand. And we, man, when I tell you, so you what say what's funny. USA Today accidentally printed myself on them. Oh, wow. And so it turned, turned out to be a blessing. At first it was scary, but it turned out to be a blessing because I was able to respond directly to, you know, the calls that were
2: coming in. And, and so, so, how And so how long did it take you to come up with ideas and formulate a plan because I know this is something you didn't slap together because you weren't expecting such an, an outpouring of love.
3: Correct. So I spent pretty much all of 2018 getting all my ducks in a row, getting organization built, getting board members, you know, chasing funding at the same time. I was being called to speak all across the country. And Mm -hmm. so I got an opportunity to speak in different, uh, inner city and rural environments all across the country all kind of different groups met with some amazing people who are doing some amazing work. Um, and so, but 2018 was a whole learning process for me. 2019 is when I really think we have, we will take that year of learning. Now we were already working at days of school, Dunbar Elementary School. I'm a graduate of Carter high school. So I I went to work immediately in about three or four schools, but I knew I had to build a system. I had to build something that was going to be sustaining. Uh, because we're talking about kids lives. this is not just a photo op. Like a lot of people don't understand what we did after that event. They just know about the event and they ask me to come in and to replicate that event. But but it's what happens after those events is what's is where the really life changing work comes in. Mhm. And
2: and, and so, so And so go ahead.
3: And so after that so as for example, after that event, we were able to we, we got some charter buses, um uh for for the kids. We matter of fact we booked— the same charter bus company that, that drives the Dallas Cowboys, because I want our young men to ride in South. Black Panther had just come out.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so um, we, had what we, we, we had what we call Be the Hero Day. And so all the boys knew was that they were meeting me at the school on a Saturday to help build a food pantry and in a, a local church. And so, uh, so we go and build a food pantry and all that. And we collect canned goods and all that. And they were happy with that. Man, they get back to school. They see these three charter buses lined up. They see the leather seats and all this, and I say, hey, this is for you guys. You guys coming up and give me a parody. We're going to go to a private screening of Black Panther at one of the Studio Movie Grills. And so we printed out the Studio Movie Grill, got them all the food they wanted, and they had their own private screening of Black Panther.
2: That's amazing, especially for kids in impoverished areas who aren't, you know, have the access and ability to just jump up and do things like this. Uh, Don Parrish with a steadyhand.org. Part of your organization's uh, keys is mentoring, exposing, sports, mm-hmm. caring, and collaborating. Can you talk about why those are all key and how that actually was a part of what you were doing, part of the plan?
3: Absolutely. And so and so that hand uh, is actually my hand. I had one of my good friends who was an artist. And, and you know, when, when you're looking at trying to brand organization and do a mission statement, a vision statement, all this, I wanted to have something that, was, that could very quickly describe what it is that we do. So that hand, the mentoring is how we got started. Exposing, right? And that's the college tours and the, the speakers we bring in, mm-hmm. et cetera. Uh, sports. We do both esports and team sports. So as soon as we get out of COVID, we're going to launch our team sports initiative because I believe every kid needs to be a part of a team. Right. team um Kim Bill's three, character.
2: Bill's character.
3: Our sports, yeah. But also same thing with esports. Same thing with esports, And so – we have a we have an esports concept that, that, that we're actually piloting right now that I cannot wait to launch nationwide. Um, then you have uh, a care which which um, that's what we use to meet direct need because what happened is when so we started mentoring these kids, and I, I'm gonna tell you a quick story. If we have time. We do. So there was a young man who was a varsity uh, basketball player at one of the campuses we were working on. His mom and dad both recently lost their job. I mean, dad got laid off and mom got laid off. So these are not people who have ever been on government assistance, anything like that. But parents both got laid off within two weeks of each other. Um, they got three boys, and he was oldest boy. So they go from being able to pay their bills to not being able to pay their bills. The only reason I called wind of it was his mentor that I assigned to him noticed that, man, this kid is not only is he eating the lunch that, you know, that I provide, he's asking if he can have my lunch for later, which was struck him as odd. He's like, when I first met him, he wasn't doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I said, let me do some digging. So I talked to mom and talked to dad and they finally came clean, man, we, we are struggling. We're we're about to lose our home. Um, you know, uh, you know, et cetera. And so we were able to reach out to some people to help solidify the family, that family, now that they're all working, he's in college, you know, it was a happy ending, but that, that taught me that along with the mentoring and exposing, once you enter a young person's life, you enter the whole, the life completely. And so we have to have a vehicle that can respond to emergency needs, be it mental health needs, or be it a physical, tangible need in the emergency. Now we are not an agency that has food pantries, but I have connections to people who do, right? Mm-hmm. We don't do rental assistance, but I have connections to people who do, which leads to the last thing on, on, on our logo, and on the pinky, it's collaboration. Because right. I cannot do this work by myself. A set of hands cannot do this work by ourselves. We have got to collaborate with like-minded organizations who because you do one thing very well. I do one thing very well. So I'm not going to swim in your lane. You're not going to swim in mine. But we can work together to make sure that this kid has everything that he or she needs. So we, now we mentor boys and girls of all ages, kindergarten all the way through high school. Um, and so, yes, we're really, really excited about that,
2: Chris. You know, uh, when I first met you, you reached out to me and, and asked me to be a part of the program. Uh, yeah. Going to Carter High School, you have former Cowboys great Greg Ellis there as well. Absolutely. Several great, Dallas great, police great officers. Great so you've been partnering with a lot of different people, diverse backgrounds, to show these young kids that they have a chance. And and and, can you talk about some of the projects you've been working on recently? Because again, I'm all about this then? Because I think a steady org is providing a need. You're connecting people together and that's what community is all about.
3: Correct. So it's been tricky during a pandemic. Okay. Uh, But here's what I will say. We are, we are active actively planning to be involved in 10 campuses in the Dallas area. And I'm, and I say 10 with five other campuses that, that are begging us to, you know, to start the same thing. But I've made commitments for, for 10 campuses in Dallas.
2: Right. And you, like you said, it's just tricky during the pandemic because there's different requirements. There's different social distancing things. Uh, I also noticed that uh, a few months ago, you guys were involved with uh, distributing uh, masks for a lot of kids and, and organizations.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we were able to, not, not, you know, not, not just that, man. So the, the city of Dallas mayor's office, asked us to lead the mayor's milk uh, giveaway. I don't know if you remember that, back when the pandemic first hit. Oh, yeah, so that's we right. So we were the lead organization that coordinated. We had, like, 18 different spots across the, across the city, and we were able to receive that milk from Borden and pass it on to other organizations to make sure that those, you know that the families had milk and cereal and, in some instances, vegetables and things of that nature. So, right,
2: because kids were not going to the school physically. They were going through to school virtually.
3: Correct, and so... I had to during this pandemic is when we developed that, that hand logo. I switched from a static logo, uh, we know with just a block logo to that hand because I just looked at what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Like we were really having to provide all these wraparound services. Now, but even with that being involved, we haven't had an event at Carl High School, a senior night that's coming up on November fifth. Um, we like I said we have the we had the esports uh, thing that I'm kicking off at a couple campuses here in Dallas. But really my mentors cannot be on campus because of because of uh because of COVID and the COVID protocols.
2: Right, the but protocols.
3: We, but we have started uh doing mentoring virtually. Mm-hmm. And so that that has its own set of challenges, but it's it's a challenge that we're looking to uh make sure we can step up and meet. and it's and it's actually kinda in a weird way it's kinda helped us be able to expand. I mean Chris we we started in Dallas, we will always be strongest here in Dallas. But by the end of this calendar year we we will probably be active in about five states.
2: That's fantastic. And you mentioned the esports. I want to spend a little time with this because when you reach kids, you got to reach them where they are. You, you can't say, "Okay, we want them to come over here." You they can't come over to you until you come over to where they are. And there are so many kids who are gamers now.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I I know I know you know one very well who, who, who's a very talented gamer, and so uh, I, I I think that. Um, us in getting, getting involved in the gaming is a concept that I like to call edutainment. Like we, we take the entertainment piece of it, but there's a lot of educational stuff that's built into this, the gaming, uh, culture now that, that you can use to grab a kid and you can use to expose them. A lot of our kids don't know about the careers that, that can be had being around sports. I mean, you are a prime example of that, Chris. Well, one reason I reached out to you, you are such a good example of how you can do what you love. It's an old adage that if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life.
2: Exactly. A job is a job, but a career is a, is more than just a job. A job, you just get paid. A career, you love what you do. And I'm glad you brought that up because some kids, little kids, think, oh, I, if I'm not an athlete, I can't do things in sports. Or, or if I'm not a gamer myself, I can't do things in the gaming world. There's lots of opportunities, right?
3: Man, absolutely. The, the internet is a beautiful thing. And during this pandemic, it has shown us how you can have an idea and have a concept. And if, you, and if you're willing to put the work in, like anything else, that thing can go viral. That thing can be, that it, it can be how you take care of you and your family.
2: You are a cool. witness. You are a witness. 50 million views. And that's, yeah, and that's something you've Facebook. been able to leverage, right?
3: Instagram. That's not even Instagram. That's not uh, YouTube. That's just on Facebook.
2: Amazing. And you've been yeah. able to leverage that with some partnerships. Can you talk about some of the? And you mentioned the the the, the mayor's office, Mayor Johnson's office, but can you talk yeah, about some of the other partnerships that you have? And and maybe uh, tell how different organizations who might be listening now might be able to partner with you.
3: Right, we are open and willing to partner with anybody who's willing to come alongside of us and go into the deep inner cities and to the deep rural parts of our community. Mm-hmm. We we are not an organization that only works with one race of kids. But the majority of young people that we have worked with have been black and Hispanic. And so we do boys and girls as well. But we maintain great relationships with our police department. Uh, we maintain great relationships with our school districts uh, and with the local principals, churches, you name it. But, man, I have recruited mentors in barbershops. I've recruited mentors at the grocery store. You know.
2: <laughs> All backgrounds. Yeah,
3: And we have even gone into, um, again, pre-COVID, we were starting to get into the juvenile justice system. Because, again, those kids, when they come out, their records are a sponge, but they still have a lot of issues. And they need people around them mm-hmm. who's able to steer them in the right direction. If not, they're going to go right back to what they know, you know, which is not the right right thing to do. So it's great that their records can be cleared. But if you don't clear their heart and clear their mind, then they're going to, you know, as they get older, the offenses that they commit are going to be even worse. And so anybody that's listening that wants to partner, um, please just reach out to me. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll provide you with my email address and, and all that and that, how we can reach out. and connect. But we're open to partner with anybody.
2: Can you talk about what you may, and I know it's hard to pick out one child or one kid. Can you talk about one of your greatest success stories? Because I know there's been a lot over the years, especially ah. since you've touched so many lives.
3: Uh, I, I'm. Can, can I rapid fire like maybe five or six different ones? Sure. Uh, okay. So, um, the young lady I was telling you about, she's now grown. Who uh, I took her to Baylor, and she got a scholarship offer to Baylor on the spot. Like she got a full academic scholarship nice. on my first college tour. Nice. Back in '99. Mm-hmm. So now she's grown, and she she's working in the nonprofit arena, and and she's changing lives uh, here in Dallas. I'm very proud of her. Um we've had um one the ones that that shook my foundation back in this is 2021 back in 2019 mm-hmm. i was contacted by elementary school had a six-year-old little girl that came to school that said she was suicidal um and i couldn't even face suicide when i was sick and so um and and at the time i really was not looking at our young lady but how do you say no to a situation like this the principal's like i've seen the work you've done with her brothers you just had a little sister, you know, it's anything you can do. So we we found a mentor of uh, um a woman who just really poured into the life of this young girl and you know, with with her and with other services, was able to come in and, and really help a situation.
2: And uh, again, we're talking with Reverend Don Paris Jr., uh, ASteadyHand.org. dot org. In fact, if you're looking for it online, it's beastadyhand.org. But if Correct. you want to partner with them, that's where you start. And also, they're always reaching out to so many kids and so many youth. We've got to have you on the show again real soon to catch up with what's going on with the organization. Is that, is that good, Don?
3: Man, that, that sounds great, Chris. Thank you again for your time, and thank you for your interest. And thank you, man, for everything that you do, man.
2: All the time. And joining us now is Sarah Elliott. She is the Vice President of Development at DallasAfterSchool.org. How are you doing, Sarah?
4: I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on the show.
2: Oh, let me tell you something. This is all about school kids today, and you guys play such an important role, and I don't think enough people know about what you guys do. DallasAfterSchool.org started when? And talk about the things that you provide, because I think it's an excellent service.
4: Great. So we started, um, we're going on our 15th year. Um, And basically, we exist because um, after doing some research, our founder um, discovered that there was no oversight for free or low cost after school programs. So we want to keep kids safe. We want to engage them in high quality programs. Mm -hmm. So that's basically why we exist. Um, And so kind of what drives us is you know, leveling the playing field for children of all races and economic backgrounds by increasing that quality and availability of after-school and summer programs for kids in Dallas County. So um, we tend to average about um, 12,000 kids a year. Um, This past year, due to COVID, was about 10,000 students in Dallas. Um, But we make the most change by serving as kind of an intermediary. So we work directly with 150 different after-school and summer programs, and we found that basically by working with these programs, supporting them, training them up, providing all kinds of resources, curriculum activities, and opportunities for students, that we can have a greater impact on the well-being of students in
2: Dallas. I think it's such a, a positive thing because there's a lot of kids who, once school is out, they don't know where to go. They don't, want, they don't know what to do necessarily. The parents are probably still at work, or they may not be at home, or they may be at home, but they can't keep up with all of the kids. Can you talk about how you guys have been able to fill in the blank, so to speak, and connect?
4: Sure. Um, and, you know, just to speak to some of the benefits of after-school programming is, you know, first and foremost, it keeps kids safe. So um, between the the times of of especially 3 and 6 p.m., you know, that's when crime is more likely to happen, juvenile crime. Now, this could be um, either students perpetrating or becoming the victim of a crime because Mm -hmm. they don't have a safe place to go. And um, after doing some research, we found that basically about 70 percent of children between 5 and 14 are either alone or left in the care of a sibling during the day and they're not in after school.
2: And therefore you said, okay, there is a need. We've got to connect some of these kids with some of these programs.
4: Absolutely. So, and another benefit, so it keeps kids safe. Um, it also keeps kids fed. You know, as we found, you know, COVID changed everything um, in terms of, um, you know, out of school time. So for us, You know, instead of it just being the hours of three and six, it became all time. Mm -hmm. So we were really community connectors. We were helping connect our um, our different programs and families to food resources. Um, And then, you know, throughout the school year, we also provide um, healthy snacks and things for students. So um, it's a great benefit of after school. Um, But, of course, one thing that we can't understate right now with, you know, just the devastating academic effects of COVID-19 is, just that these programs really help kids grow academically. Um, studies have shown that kids that are engaged in after school do better than their peers on standardized testing, particularly in reading and math.
2: Can you talk about how the after school programs have kind of helped out with, you, you mentioned the pandemic and a lot of kids, especially last year, were doing a lot of virtual learning. And so I guess that some of these programs. Um, they were able to uh, extend their education or get some more help, maybe uh, some tutoring?
4: Sure, sure. Well, one of the things that we did um, just in trying to support as much as we could, um, first we had to help um, with the kind of technology divide. So we did um, connect uh, families in the community who were in need with technology resources, access to Internet. um, Laptops. and And equipment. Yes, yes iPads um, yeah yeah so we did that that was one of the first things that we did and then after that once we had technology in the hands of children and thankfully school districts and and um you know our our local um technology companies have all stepped up and kind of addressed this issue more we did it kind of as a stopgap um but after that we uh partnered with um Four Oak Cliff, who's one of our um after-school providers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. Yes, Great I am. They
2: are absolutely outstanding. Yes.
4: <laughs> They're fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, but we partnered with them to pilot a virtual after-school program for middle school students. Um, and the students came up with the logo. If you guys visit our website, you can see it. Um, and they named the program. They called it Boomed As It. So uh, <laughs> anyway, it's a fabul- it was a fabulous program. But really, um, when COVID hit, one of the things that happened beyond just you know, academic side was, you know, especially students that age were feeling kind of lonely and they were missing their peers and wanted to stay engaged socially and um, and still kind of have some fun. So we were able to launch this program with them and went through weeks of social-emotional programming, um, and to them it just looks fun, but it's actually helping them um, kind of, stay in touch with their emotions, learn to manage and regulate them, and then focus on
2: learning. It's the coping mechanism. It's like a subliminal coping mechanism. The kids don't understand the words maybe, but it allows them to be normal in a pandemic situation. A lot of people in the organizations are talking about, okay, a pandemic pivot. We had to readjust the way we did business because of uh, social distancing or because of the protocols. Can you talk about some of the things you guys had to do to quote unquote pivot?
4: Um, For us- Organizationally, yes. Oh, sure. Uh, Thankfully at Dallas After School, um, we were already kind of prepared. Um, We're a little nerdy and geeky when it comes to (laughs) research and efficiency, Mm -hmm. because we want to be able to make sure that that every donated dollar goes the first as it can, and that we can help as many organizations and students as we can. So um, we were in the process when um, the pandemic hit. Thankfully, we had already launched um, our online learning component for um, after-school professionals called um, DAS 360 Degrees. So that allowed us to be able to um, provide up-to-date training and information when it came to um, things like reopening safely, giving access, and, and um, we did a little procurement for um, things like PPE equipment mm-hmm. and, and cleaning supplies that were hard to come by early on. Um, we were able to give out things like air filtration. So um, we did that kind of work. We also did, um, which we, we are continuing to do, our um, roundtable, virtual roundtables with um, out-of-school time professionals, Um, Just talking about the needs that they have, what they're facing, and then providing information and resources to make sure ultimately that kids can can
2: thrive. You know what's so interesting about what you do is you, again, are able to connect and help out so many kids through reaching out to possible partners and longtime partners. When the organization first started, we're talking with Sarah Elliott again, uh, the vice president of development of DallasAfterSchool.org. When you guys started 15 years ago, what was the initial plan? And I know you've got to be so impressed and amazed at where you are now.
4: Well, initially, like I said, um, the organization started because free and low-cost programs in Texas um, are not subject to any minimum requirements, Um, not like early childhood. Now, in early childhood, if you have a program with children that are five and below, there are very strict requirements. But five and up, it's optional to... um, to be subject to any requirements. So mm-hmm. um, we're it's not here as basically.
2: Yes, yeah, not as restrictive.
4: Yeah. So we're here basically, the way it started was um, we felt the need to go in and, and help programs become high quality and ensure children are safe. Mm-hmm. That is first and foremost what we've always done and we continue to do. So we, um, we go in and we um, assess and certify sites on safety and quality and um, it's not an easy process but believe it or not um, it's not there's so many that don't pass safety the first time and Mm -hmm. so that just reinforces why we're here Um, you can have very well-meaning programs um, but you know you need to make sure that they have all the things in place to keep students as safe as possible
2: sure can you talk about maybe some of the bumps along the way because the, the road to success is full of twists and turns,
4: <laughs> yeah, so uh, initially, you know we were working with a handful of organizations um and really determining kind of what those indicators were that that proved high quality mm-hmm. if that makes sense sure so so over the years, as I've said, we've um done quite a bit of research and um After a period of years, we finally – well, I say finally. It's been in place for a while. But um, we have determined we have our own tool, which we call Aqua, um, that basically gives 74 different indicators of what high quality looks like in an after-school or out-of-school time environment.
2: Look out. you got the analytics. See, this is what – believe it or not – this is a technology day and age, right? Everybody loves analytics because it also shows how efficient you can be. And I love the fact that you're able to say, okay, let's let's quantify some of the success so that we can replicate it.
4: Absolutely and that's probably that's probably the thing that we're proudest of. Um, you know we've gone from you know working with a handful of out-of school time organizations to now, over 150 um, out-of-school-time sites and counting. Mm -hmm. Um, So every year, you know, we're able to impact more and more students in Dallas because of our work. And, you know, we also, in addition to working with these sites, um, we work very closely with um, over 1,200 after-school professionals. And, you know, we really need to build them up and pour into them because they're the ones that have the most direct relationship with these students.
2: You know what? I always call them and healthcare workers and first responders the real heroes. You know, educators are often not paid well enough. They're often considered babysitters by parents who work way too much. They want the the educators to also quote unquote raise their kids, which is not their responsibility. Can you talk about some of the the educators that you use because? This is just so impressive that you're giving them an opportunity to do what they love. This is their career. This is not a job. If this was a job, they would never do it because the pay is not enough. They do this because they find the rewards in working with kids. Am I wrong?
4: No, you're not. You're not wrong. Um, There's certainly. Um, I mean, we certainly value them here at Dallas After School. But, but you're right. They they're not paid well enough in general. Um, but that's one of the things that, that we're trying to um, change. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have um, a newer program at Dallas After School. Um, it's called the E-Cost Workforce Development Program. And E-Cost is early childhood and out-of-school time. Um, and basically what that program is, is, you know, right now, like in a lot of places, there's a shortage of, of, after school provide I an mean, after school workers mm-hmm. so and these are educators these are mentors these are these are trusted adults um but because these folks are paid low wages um usually on a part-time basis
2: yeah gig economy um,
4: it's really hard to find people other than the ones that just have huge hearts and and so much love for these children so um what Dallas after school has done is worked with um Early Matters, Dallas, and we have developed basically um, a career pipeline for future educators. So um, what we do is um, we work with um, an organization called um, Strategic Focus. Mm-hmm. and we help we help place after school providers, I mean after school professionals, in um, various after school jobs. But what we do is also, pay them a fair wage. So they're paid a little bit better than others there. Um, we work it out to where they're able to have benefits and we provide training, screening, and then we try to lift them up and provide opportunities for college. Um, sometimes at no cost at all. So um, we're working. Uh, it's a newer project of ours, but we have um, placed, I want to say around 300 professionals at this point. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's earlier in, and about 65 percent have gone on to um, further their education um, with either a two or four year degree, or in the process of achieving that.
2: This is so outstanding. Again, it's almost like in the world of technology, you guys are like a portal for all of this. <laughs> you know, you the portal for the kids, portal for the educators, portal for the uh, for the for the parents and the families. Uh, is there a, a way that the uh, educators get in touch with you? I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how they find out about you other than hearing about it on this particular program, but like in the past or currently, is there like word of mouth? Is there like a a, a, a website where, like, oh, I, I'm looking for more work and this <laughs> is what I do?
4: Well, the easiest way is to go to our website, DallasAfterSchool.org, um, and So there are a few different ways to get plugged in. Um, One, if if folks are either after-school providers or interested in becoming one um, and interested in in helping educate children, um, you can go there and uh, check out our resources there. Um, Or, you know, one of the things, um, one of the the best ways people can get plugged in is through the nonprofit or the community organization that they work for Mm -hmm. if if they're currently working. So, you know, our process um, is voluntary. So really, we're working with the, best, with the best programs that know they want to improve their safety and quality mm-hmm. and that, that they're willing to go that extra mile. So um, we certainly encourage and we're open to um, having more partners. And with that comes, you know, all kinds of coaching and training and just amazing resources. Um, we're able to, because of our scope and reach, we're able to leverage those resources we get. So for instance, we had um, some fabulous support from um, the Addy Foundation after the storms. um,
2: Oh yeah, the the, the snowstorm.
4: Yeah, so we were able to kind of amplify. uh, They reached out to us. We were able to amplify their gift and raise a little bit more because of their generosity. But also, we were able to give that money to after-school sites that that had, I'll give you, for instance, there was one that just had a, a computer lab that was completely destroyed. So, we mm-hmm. were able to get them computers. We were able to get them um, some resources um, for kind of around and before insurance monies would cover or if they wouldn't. Um, we were able to replace school supplies, things like that. Um,
2: that is absolutely amazing. You know what, I'm glad you brought this up because not only was there, and there still is a pandemic that we're going through, but that's Snowmageddon, the uh, Texas <laughs> grid situation back in February. I talked to a lot of different organizations that were able to overcome this and it was a challenge in itself and then all the different stories that went on. Uh, you mentioned that one situation of this this computer lab. I'm sure there were others. Can you talk about how it was? life was like for you guys during that two week period,
4: well, like every like everybody, <laughs> I think I think most things were just shut down, um, and people were, you know, just trying to reach out to to our community partners to see, you know, um, who was running, who wasn't. By far and away, most of us weren't because the whole yeah. community was shut down. But um, that's one of the things we do. We just really try to keep. Uh, to keep our finger on the pulse of what's going on in the after-school community so um, and you know you do that by by reaching out regularly and checking on people I mean mm-hmm. this is a community so um... we we care about not only our partners but other after-school programs and, and trying to help with best ways we can during those times
2: Do you, do you guys reach out at all to any uh, chambers of commerce or is it only uh... uh... foundations and after-school programs? Right.
4: So I mean really we work mainly with after school programs there are some churches um mm-hmm. we we haven't worked much with the chamber now we do have um some of our young professionals involved in um in the young professionals program at the Dallas Chamber
0: mm-hmm.
4: um we would certainly love to be more plugged in um but we do work with school districts so okay. um, it really amplifies what we do so we work with Dallas ISD. We'll be working with them quite a bit more this year. And and honestly, it, it, it's just such a great testament to the value of after school um, that basically school districts, school systems, and families are now reaching out to after school time providers to help kids catch up and keep up academically and then And then making sure that we're really paying attention to children socially and emotionally.
2: Right. Because like I said, it's mentally taxing, especially during the pandemic. It was mentally taxing anyway, if you don't have the same resources that other kids might. And you know how kids are on social media nowadays, especially on, on Instagram, it's like, okay, a lot of people are posing. They're they're trying to get likes and follows and they, they don't, it's almost a sense of self-worth. And so, you're faced with those issues that you probably didn't have, you know, 14, 13 years ago, right?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and kids need a way to, to deal with their emotions, yeah. especially during a time of social distancing. So, um, you know, even though kids are getting back to school, um, there's a lot that they're dealing with. Um, so one of the ways we've supported our partner programs is through grief and trauma curriculum. Ah. Um, So we provide that, and then we also provide um, what we call Calm Kits for students. Mm -hmm. So those are just a series of activities and resources that basically help students express and manage their emotions so they can focus on learning and life.
2: That is so strong. When did you guys start uh, delving in that particular area? Was it from the beginning, or was that something recently?
4: So we've been doing social-emotional learning for, for quite some time now um, over the past years, um, but really, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic and with, you know, with today's climate, um, it was it was obvious that between the trauma of COVID mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Novigadden um, and dealing with, you know, inequities, um, yes. In the community and, yeah. and in the world that really kids needed more. So um, we we have basically launched this um, kind of more intentional um, grief and trauma curriculum over the past probably two years, but we've been working on it for a while, but really that the opportunity arose that we really needed to deploy it.
2: I think that's so significant because, And I've talked to a lot of different people about this. Unlike when we were growing up, um, we didn't have social media growing up, so to speak. And and so there's a lot of uh, bullying online, or there's a lot of kids that have issues with self-worth because they're trying to compare themselves to, quote-unquote, other people that they see online or friends who are posing Mm -hmm. in front of cars or, you know, the background is... Well, that's not necessarily where you live, but it's like, wow, I'm at this place or I'm at that place. And so I'm really glad you guys are providing some of these resources in that area.
4: Yeah. I mean, I really feel like kids can't get enough of those type of activities. And, you know, like I said, especially in after school, yeah. one of the great things about after school is it gets kids excited about learning because most of the things that we do seem like fun and sometimes it doesn't occur to them that they're learning or that yeah. they're, exploring, they're exploring their feelings and emotions. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have all kinds of resources on, you know, recognizing bullying. We, we teach mm-hmm. it both from the after-school educator standpoint and certainly from the student standpoint and, um, and students, you know, early on, we had, you know, developed a course on talking to students about race, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, really helping them talk through their emotions and what they're feeling and and explore that so that when they're in school or when it's time to learn, um, that they can do that.
2: Yes, kids have so much access to information nowadays. I, I try to tell parents, you know, you can't keep them away from all of the information that they have access to. All you can try to be is a greater influence. And I think that organizations like uh, Dallas After School which helps provide after-school learning opportunities is such a great resource. Um, Have you found yourselves, uh, I don't want to call it business picking up, but have you found that the need for what you do has increased over the last, Oh, maybe five or six years.
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think going into COVID, we were, we were, we've stretched ourselves. We try to be very efficient. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yes, the more that folks were hearing about us, the more they wanted to get involved and we love that so we're certainly at a point now um, thankfully that you know we we tried to to get better and smarter and, and faster and <laughs> and more efficient so we're able to serve um, even more um, out of school time partners so and you know, some of the things, um, I guess I spoke to, um, our social emotional Mm -hmm. learning curriculum and calm kit. So some other supports that we provide both in after school programs and that we've, we've done, um, with students, um, before the pandemic and since, but especially, especially then was one of the things that we did was, um, our literacy support. So we provide, we provide research-based literacy interventions, um, We've been doing this for the past five years, but especially during COVID, this became critical. Um, Now, we have, in the past, we had done um, kind of a computer-based literacy program, but we found that both between um, sometimes out-of-school time programs not having the technical resources or abilities, or households or now unfortunately kids get so much screen time we want to provide something else
2: there so, you go so balance it so off we, a little bit yeah
4: we we have technology free learning activities for students when it comes to literacy and reading so um we also provide um trained literacy coaches and tutors mm-hmm. um to our program so it's you know like i said especially right now with covid slide um these services are there and it's, it's nice for students to get some one-on-one support.
2: We were talking about uh, how the educators, the reactions you've been getting from educators with the programs and, and some of your partners and, and some of the other foundations. What are some of the reactions from some of the parents? I'm sure they've got to be thrilled about this.
4: Oh, uh, parents absolutely love out-of-school time programming. So, I mean, one thing that people might not realize is the importance that out-of-school time programs play and helping family keep their jobs or work more hours, um, especially single parents. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then they don't have to miss as much work, you know, uh, because they've got that, that extra support there. Um, but um, parents are, are just absolutely happy with, um, with the fact that students are more excited about learning. Mm-hmm. They make more academic gains. And, um, that makes the parents' life much easier. And then we're providing them the tools that they can better support their child, at, you know, once they get home.
2: And I, I mentioned the parents and even the kids, can you talk about some of the reactions from some of the kids you've been, uh, able to help and, and work with and, and, some of the success stories there?
4: Um, really, you know, the sky's the limit. So, yeah. um, we, we have, a. We have kids that we work with, um, like I said, through um, through various programs. But particularly when we were working with um, the kids from Poro Cliff, mm-hmm. um, basically uh, one of the students basically said that that now they realize the sky's the limit because you know if they don't try it, they don't know what they can do. And so we're we're teaching them to be curious and um and learn about life learn about the world um it's okay to be to be interested in school Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's it's good to care about other people so um
2: this is just really really great because i I appreciate all the different things that dallasafterschool.org is doing because i grew up with people telling me if you can conceive it you can achieve it and one of my favorite quotes was some people see things as they are and ask why. I dream things that never were and ask why not. And I think there's a lot of kids that are just curious, but they don't know how far they can go unless they know they have a chance. And what you're doing is giving them the chances to be the best that they can be. The sky's the limit. I love it.
4: Absolutely. And that's a great segue into and, and being curious. Mm-hmm. Um, we have something that we call um, wonder Kit. And wonder kits are um, typically STEM related. We have some literacy related, but they are, they are kits that we have designed that inspire curiosity in students. So, um, we provide these to our after school sites um, with enough materials for 25 students, um, but during COVID, we did individual what we call wonder bundles. So, students would have something, again, off screen that they can put their hands on and be curious and learn about. So all of our Wonder Kits, they're nationally aligned lesson plans. They're, they're free to all of our service partners. But basically, um, it's a great way to learn about different science, technology, engineering, and math concepts. So things like building a bridge, you might have these, these small um, just – Items. It might be popsicle sticks and and things like that. Uh-huh. But you learn about the different types of bridge and how they support, how they support weight and what makes them good. It's just the, the basic concepts of things like engineering. Um,
0: yeah,
4: we have a lunar lander set that that, that teaches you about um, the space shuttle and soft landings, and you construct your own. So, um, but one of the greatest things is not only are you, you know, reinforcing for kids to be curious and that there's no right or wrong way, you know, as much as I've um, in my four years here at Dallas after school, I've never seen the same students do the exact same thing with these kids. So um, it's, it's all correct. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you learn from it. And then um, not only are their plans nationally aligned and that afterwards, um, after the activity, there are always some reflection on the social emotional learning concepts, um, if you're doing a group activity, it's it's talking about how you feel when, when um, like, if it's a competitive-based activity. It's how did you feel when, when you're first sitting, you know, if you're sitting work, how did you feel? How did mm-hmm. you deal with that?
2: That is outstanding. We've got to get you back on the show again real soon so we can catch up the, with the next and the latest things going on with DallasAfterSchool.org. Is that okay? Of course. All right. Thank you, Sarah. appreciate you. Thanks. And thank you all for listening to Better Living. I'm Chris Arnold. Be sure to tune in next week as we highlight other organizations and events happening right here in DFW. So long, everybody.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?